Pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. Hey guys, today on the podcast, I am talking with Dr. Yap Vanderval. Dr. Yap was an anatomist who became an embryologist. And today we're talking about how, well, how the soul builds the body instead of the body and the brain building the soul. To me, this is a fascinating conversation. Um, I think you're going to like it too. Never heard this talked about in school before or, well, anywhere else really. Anyway, guys, this may be one you want to pull up a chair and make sure you buckle up. Maybe put a mouthpiece in. All right. Thanks for listening. Hi. Hello. Hey, Dr. Yap. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I wonder, can you tell me first, what's your background? Why are you interested in me and in this embryology? I, well, my background is I have a movement education company. And I, I try to help people remember how they're designed to move. Um, you know, and when we move the way we're designed, typically the body feels good. The person feels better. Um, inhibitions come off the body. You can, you restore your mobility, your strength. Um, and so, so the purpose of my company is really just to help people un- discover that they're wonderfully made. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm very fascinated uh, about physical things, but also spiritual things. And when I heard you speaking on uh, embryology, uh, I, it just sounded like there was something there that was, would be really interesting to me. Yeah, and, and um, are you working from a certain theory or is your background, uh, is it visual therapy? What, what should I think of that? Oh, 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 I am a, uh, over, uh, over here, I'm just a personal trainer. Um, and I, I just, I had some overuse injuries and I asked God to show me how to move to become bulletproof like Superman. And, and within a couple of weeks, I I learned about, um, the developmental sequence Mm -hmm. and how it, uh, helps build the child's nervous system. And I started looking at that and thinking, well, what can it do for an adult's nervous system? Okay. And I started playing with the developmental sequence and discovered a lot of wonderful things about how it can help the the body heal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your professional background is. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer and I own a, I own a, yes, sir. And I own a, uh, a movement education company and we teach, we, so it's called original strength and I've been fortunate enough to be able to teach it all over the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you seem to know my work. Have you ever attended a course or a lecture that was given by me? No, sir. I've watched your, uh, Ted talks, uh, I've seen and, and I've, I've read your website. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, that, so that's about it. <laughs> what did you think of that TED talk? It's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I, I think there's, I, to me, you're explaining something very spiritual, not just physical. Uh, yeah. and that, and that's right. what is, that is what has piqued my interest the most. Yeah. Okay. That, well, that actually is my mission, you know, to, um, to bridge between uh, my, on the one hand, scientific approach, the embryology, and actually, you know, the other hand, the, well, spirituality and we as beings of matter and spirit and try to bridge that. And I learned that 
Well, mainly my inspiration comes from um, Rudolf Steiner. He is the founder of Anthroposophy. And another guy that, you know, so to say, inspired me was uh, Andrew Taylor Still from Osteopathy. That our man, yeah, that, that also tried to um, not to try to connect between scientific approach and spiritual approach. And that is my mission to do that via the path of the embryo. And then, of course, it's very important how you think about that first day, you know, what, 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 how do you start? Do you start as a cell or are you just starting as a, as a, yeah, uh, fertilized egg or are you starting as a being of spirit and matter and is conception not only a matter of fusion of two cells but it's a matter of a vertical dimension so to say in which a spiritual impulse connects with a material or physical impulse given by an egg and a sperm and that's what i try to tell in that um, ted talk that it's very important how you think about that because if you consider yourself a product of cells yeah, then you could say, okay, then I just have to wait till there are enough cells to to produce an, a body, and then the body starts to produce uh, maybe a mind. But in my view, you are a body, a an organism, a psychosomatic reality from the very beginning on. And uh, as you might understand, in the current debate about <laughs> about abortion. You know, that's the first question people always ask, but when is soul coming in? Well, if we are beings of spirit and matter, then there's not on the way, you know, you go a moment that spirit or soul comes in, you are a being of spirit and matter of soul and body from the very beginning on. And that's what I mainly, tell the people that is what embryo is. Embryo is the phase in which you are involved in shaping your body. And the shaping is not done by genes or by other physical components. It's done by you as a being. It's you that develops the body. Like Rumi says, we developed the body, not the body out of us. The body developed out of us, not we from it. You got that? Yes, sir. Oh yeah, 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 okay, good, yeah, and that's that's just that's why it's so 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 important to point people. Well, if you say it's a cell, you know, the zygote is not a cell. It looks like a cell, but that's always the problem. When it looks like something, it doesn't mean it is that something. So it looks like a cell, but it's not a cell. It's a unicellular organism, and that's quite a different way of thinking about things. And for me, the entity of biology is not the particle. And that is what modern biology believes that every living being is the product is built up from cells and the cell is the essential particle or unit of life. And beings are uh, biological beings, living beings are built up from cells. And I see something else. I see it from the very beginning on. You are an entity. You are a whole, you are an organism, and your first appearance is a unicellular organism. And then the unicellular organism starts to differentiate and to organize and suborganize its cells into cells. 
And that's actually what a living being is, a self-organizing principle, uh, not produced by the cells, but organizing itself by means of cells. That's quite a different yeah, approach than usually is told to us and to our children by, let's say, the official biologist. So you, you were at one time more of an anatomist. How did you get to the vision that you see now with the embryo? <laughs> um, well, that's a long story, but no, it's not so long. You know, the duality I often talk about in my courses is, of course, mind and body. But that was not the, the way I met it. Um, you know, it, it's Descartes. Descartes is the, let's say, the philosopher of we are mind and body. We are physical and spiritual. But I discovered in my teaching of anatomy that I had to um, confront the students with the fact that the body we teach them is a so-called um, uh, yeah, emptied or, or inanimate body. It's the body of science is not the same as the body that we live. And I started to give lectures and discovered that we actually have two bodies. On the one hand, the reality of your body that you are. And on the other hand, there must be also in my body, that anatomical body, the body of science, all these organs, that also is there. And there's a huge, yeah, um, yeah, polarity or a huge um, difference between the body that you are and that you live and that you express and that you experience and the body that you have of which the scientists and the anatomists tell you that it's also in there. And that is, so I discovered actually two ways of dealing with my body. I can be the participator of my body and I only can do that. I'm the only one who knows, is aware of what it is to be here in this body, me. But the other body is the body of what we call in philosophy, the third person, the observed body, the body that you can scientifically and objectively observe. And that's another stance than the one who lives his body and participates in it. And these two realities made me clear that actually, the anatomical, the scientific body is an inanimate body. It's not the body where I should look for soul. It's not the body where I should look for consciousness or awareness or all these things of which Descartes says that, well, that is your res cogitans. That is what is thinking in you. That is what is doing in you. That's what is awareness in you. That's something else. That's another substance. That's another energy than the body that we describe and dissect and show up to our students in the dissection room. And then I taught my students and they saw it themselves. I confronted them on the dissection room first with a dead person, a dead naked man. And they always were embarrassed uh, because they didn't know what to do with a dead person. And they asked questions about how did the man died and can you tell us about he, who he was? But as soon as they were confronted with an anatomical specimen, they completely changed their mind. 
and they became interested and they wanted to know and they approached that body. And then I, you know, constantly I confronted them with these two realities. And then at the end they said, yes, yes, yes. But this here, and then they had an anatomical specimen of the brain in their hands, or this here, you know, this beautiful dissected body has nothing to do with that dead person which, which we were confronted with on the first table. And there is the split. That is the split that nowadays have come over us. We no longer believe our first reality, our primary reality, our first person body. We think that the other body, the scientific body, what we call the third person body, the secondary, that's the reality. And that is, I think, a fatal mistake about ourselves. We should combine the two realities. And therefore, I'm not against science. I'm not against anatomy. Of course, anatomy is, is a truth and it's a reality, but it's half. And half and half reality is far more difficult to, to deal with than a lie. It's not, science is not a lie. Science is not untrue, untrue. It is half of the truth. And the other way, the other truth side of, of spirit, you have to approach in another way. And uh, that's why I came to, yeah, that also in the embryo, you, the first thing you see in an embryo is that it's moving. And how can you, how can you deal with that? It's growing, it's changing, it's metamorphosing, and it goes from one stage to the other, and it's a continuous process that's going on. And that never stops. Your body is not an anatomical machine or an anatomical spatial principle. The embryo shows you that the embryo is a your, your, your the embryo is a continuous process that never ends. It's still the primary thing I do, shaping, uh, forming my body, and therefore the embryo taught me that um, anatomy is so to say um, a reduced um, view on me as a human being to consider myself as a spatial product of organs, yeah, reduces me to a machine or a physical object. And that's not, I am an appearance in time. Every living being is a process, is a continuous appearance through time, by time or in time, whatever. So, and that's, that's yeah, that is, that's another view. And that's what I learned from the embryo that the anatomy is the end of the process. Anatomy is the product, forms are the products, but the process itself is the shaping. Like you move, you know, your movement, your locomotion is not a locomotion. Your locomotion is what I always lecture about and in the fascia conference, fascia um, research congresses, I tell people about what we call motion is not a motion. Emotion is a flow in time. Your blood is moving and processes in time. But this, what you do is shaping. Shaping your arm. When I move my arm, I do not move my arm. I very rapidly change the shape, the gestalt of my body with my arm adducted to my body to a body with the arm abducted. And that is a process in which my whole body is involved 
and it is to do about, has to do about shaping, forming. So what I actually do is the same thing as I did as an embryo. The embryo is also not a motion, a movement, it is rather a shaping, a formation, a performance. And that is what I learned from the embryo. In the embryo, the way you shape your body can be considered to be a pre-exercise of what you later might be able to do physiologically. And even in your mind, in your soul, in your psyche, there is a process of shaping. You're, you can say that the gestures with which you perform your being, like uh, yeah, uh, embracing the world, breathing, it all are also gestures of the soul. And first you do the gestures morphologically, and then you can perform them physiologically, so that then you can perform also psychologically and even there mentally. And that is why I consider locomotion not so much as, you know, uh, transporting or moving my body over this planet, but also it's an expression of my being and it's a shaping of myself. And that is why I emphasize so much that the embryo learned me, taught me that the human posture is, so to say, essentially uh, a posture in which uh, gravity is incorporated. And that brings us to the essence of the human body, the human shape, the human gestalt, the human being, and that is centering, balancing, coming to yourself first anatomically, then physiologically, then psychologically. You know, that is actually our our specialization, if you want to consider as a special, specialized being, but that is centering, balance, um, dealing with um, equilibrium, and that in all aspects, morphologically, physiologically, psychologically, mentally, it all has to do with shaping, and in our case, balancing, coming to yourself. So that's for me, so to say, the sequence forms are shapes and the main gesture is shaping not creating the form but the gesture with which you create the forms that is what biological living beings are wow still there yes sir <laughs> i'm taking it in yeah so what you're saying is that we the body does not create our minds like so we don't develop until we have a brain and then we're able to have a mind, but the, the soul is already there and it's actually creating the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The body formative soul. Like Rumi says, um, the body developed out of us, not we from it. We are bees and our body is a honeycomb. We made the body cell by cell, we made it. So I show the people that in the embryo, of course, always, also, there is consciousness, awareness, but awareness has two appearances. There is the sub or unconscious level as we live in the main part of our body. And there is the awareness and the becoming awake of the, of the head, of the mind, but that is not produced by the body. If, if, um, if mind 
spirit, my mind, would be produced by the body, it would be physical. And Descartes was the first one to emphasize that mind in us, that awareness in us, that consciousness, that so must be non-physical. Because if it was physical, if it was similar to my body, the only way you can become aware of something, the only condition you need to see and hear and become aware of something is that you are separate, that you are different from it. It's impossible that our mind is a physical organ or a phys the activity of a physical organ. It is something else. And that is from the very beginning, is there my soul? So Blechsmith, for example, my the, the, an embryologist who was uh, very famous in German in the 70s of the last century, he says, soul is not something, not something that comes in later or at a given moment. No, soul is from the very beginning and an active and our soul is pre-exercised in the body. And that is why I emphasize the word gesture. It is the gestures with which you produce or make or shape your body are the same gestures you perform when you later on move and behave physiologically, psychologically. So the soul is not only my mind and my consciousness, the soul is also that active and shaping, formative, performing dimension in me. The soul is actually active in me from the very beginning on and never ends with that. It's, it's the expressive part of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the sequence. It's not first, you know, developing a body produced by cells and then an organ starts to produce my awareness. No, my soul is from the very beginning on active. You take your liver. Your liver is a very intelligent organ. Your liver knows so much. There's so much knowledge in your body in your muscles, in your, in your skeleton, in the way it's organized, all that knowledge, yes, that can become aware. And then we have science, but you know, still the scientists don't know what to do with cholesterol, but you, your liver already knows for thousands of years what to do with cholesterol. That's wisdom, that is knowledge, you know in your liver, but that is subconscious, unconscious or subconscious be, uh, knowing and awareness. So don't mix up my awakening awareness of my head, of my so-called mind or brain or my, not with soul. Soul has dimensions that can be very subconscious or dreaming consciousness or unconscious or hyper-consciousness. So that are levels. And from the very beginning on, you see in the embryo, in the body, and that's the main part of my story in my courses, from the very beginning on, you see that continually, continuously out of the one that develops a two. Every time you see in the body a differentiation from one in two, and the two is a polarity. And you get everywhere in your body, cranial, caudal, dorsal, ventral, parietal, visceral, outside, inside, left, right, constantly you see an enormous polarity, a polarity of form 
anatomy and process shaping. And I think that a polarity has to do with our mind, with our consciousness, with our soul, with our spirit, and that we have two ways to live in the body. One way we live in the body is the embryo, embryo way. You know, we are connected with the body, we are shaping it, we are maintaining it. But gradually you see organs that enables us to come body free and start to think and imagine and feel. Then comes, so to say, our mind or our soul or our psyche becomes available and aware. But that is only in those organs, and that's the secret, that's only possible in those organs like a brain, like an eye, like a nervous system, like a heart, where the body you know, goes the path of dying, of coming to the form. You never come to, but your brain is the most dead organ you have. It, you know, as, as, as you shape your, your brain as an embryo, it's unimaginable, unimaginable. 4,000 cell divisions per second, 4,000 per second. In a few weeks, you shape here all that complexity. And gradually we see that the brain slows down and becomes nearly, nearly form, pure anatomy. That's the brain, that is brain structure, form. And then you see that the formative forces with which you shaped all that connections and whatever, comes free in the way of thoughts or thinking or whatever. So it's my mind that we usually call the mind is primary working in myself and constantly working and still working in me as main, the maintainer and the shaping of my body. But on the other hand, in some organs, they, the mind, so to say, becomes body free and we start to live in a way of consciousness, in a spiritual way or psychological way. And that is how I think the polarity in your body is shaped. And that's why I tell you the embryo is still there. You still are there maintaining. That is your main effort every day. Every morning you wake up with a new body. At least one million new synapses you make. And billions of liver cells have been changed. So it is your body that is continuous, but there's something else in you that is shaping it and can use that body later on to perform itself in a psychological or let's say, yes, psychological way. And then are the two relations you can have with your body. Either you are very connected with it and then you sleep in it, you are shaping, working it, or you can, so to say, become free from your body and then you wake up and you come in the spiritual life, the life of your psyche that, yeah, where a whole world, the whole universe can be performed. Don't forget that. Wow. Each of us are universes. I mean, the yes. complexity of this is nearly the same complexity that they now become aware of in the universe. And it takes another two centuries to, yeah, <laughs> to understand what's going on there. Okay. So you have said that we're appearances in time, and I'm gathering that we're also expressions in time. Um, do you have any idea before our appearance was made 
what were we doing on the, the front end of that? Or what do we do on the back end of that? Yeah. Well, then you come, of course, in, let's say, uh, preconceptional, post-mortal dimensions. Um, people always ask, often ask me, is there life after death? Of course, there cannot be life after death. Because for life, every living being shows you, you need a body and you need a mind. There also, the animals have a mind. So how the mind or my spirit or my existence was before I was conceived or how it will be after that I have conceived, well, at least it must be a body free, a body free existence. And that's what you hear the near death people tell. And people that have a near death experience tell us about a growing consciousness. They see things, they understand things, they are able to become aware of things that you never, that they never became aware of when they simply lived their bodies. So apparently, when you are detached or leaving your body, and that's actually what I think happens at a deathbed, then is separated what was united before. And I think that conception is the opposite of a deathbed. In conception, there's a connection between a spiritual impulse and the body. And at the deathbed, we see a separation. And now these people tell me that apparently, when they disconnect from their bodies, they have a growing consciousness. And then it breaks, yeah, because they come back. But if they would die, could it be that you simply have to imagine that the life after death is a spiritual existence that of course can never have the same dimension as we have it now. And that is not, we now have a consciousness and awareness because we have a spirit living, dealing with a body. But as soon as the two are detached, we come in another dimension. And then, yeah, then you have to read, you know, literature of people like Rudolf Steiner, and they talk about maybe my mind, no, my spirit, that's maybe better, my spirit has the possibility to develop itself in this human biography. And that you come here at conception, not simply because you were made, but also that you bring with you some maybe capacities or talents or um, maybe the plans. Maybe you are not, maybe you have, a, maybe you are not, you are not a consequence of the conception. You were not made by your parents, but conception is the gate through which you enter the physical world so that you can develop there and development is for me yeah the gesture of dying i mean you need the body as a resistance to develop your mind to develop your spirit so maybe when you die you bring knowledge you know better you know more you have experience and maybe you take that with you and people say well that could mean that we are reincarnations. Well, that could be, but, um, and, and sometimes they ask me, 
that uh, asked me, do you believe in reincarnation? Well, I think, well, it's at least a logical possibility that we have more lives, more biographies in order to develop more potencies in ourselves. But I cannot prove that, of course not. I can prove maybe that when we die, something is separated that was united before. Every child sees it, every child knows it. There is something going away that was connected with that body before. So it could be that that impulse that dies at the deathbed and becomes disconnected from the body might find a return and maybe in a few years or a few decades, I don't know, or centuries, might again make another biography, which means that my biography is not again the product of my body. The biography is the product of my mind performing myself by means of this body. Oh, people say, you will return one day. Of course not. I cannot return. I'm Jaap van der Waal, and Jaap van der Waal is my mind, my soul, and my mind and my soul is connected, you know, absolutely with this body. So this is a unique performance. You know, my biography is unique. This whole universe is filled with Jaap van der Waal. There's only one Jaap van der Waal, and there will not come another Jaap van der Waal, and Jaap van der Waal cannot be cloned, because the next time I might be, you know, incarnating in a human body, in a body, there will be other genes, there will be another society, and then it will appear in a different way. That's why I hate a little bit that nowadays we are so, so, um, we are not very exact in our terminology. And spirit is for me something else than soul. And mind is for me something else than, um, uh, than spirit, you know, my mind, my soul is how my spirit now works with and looks like in this body. But it can be not my soul will come back, but my spirit might find another possibility in the far future. And then, of course, I will repeat, I will appear as a different soul, as a different mind. My mind is psychosomatic. It's, of course, it's dependent of my brain. My wife had a brain tumor from many years ago. And the first thing we, we saw, no, the first thing I noticed that was because she was so strange. She started to became a strange person, a zombie. And everybody didn't understand what's happening. And then they found a tumor in the brain. And then they operated her for 17 hours. And then she came back. That one I loved, you know, the, 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 the woman I was married to, the mother of my children, she came back. And what was the first thing my colleague said, my colleagues in anatomy university, now you are convinced, Jaap. You should be convinced now of what? Well, now you have proven yourself that the personality of your wife is produced by a brain by the body because you see a tumor growing in her brain and that started to change her personality. That proves that your personality, your soul, your mind is produced by the brain. Of course not. It can be like that, but it's not proving that. 
you also can consider your body, your brain, your mind, your genes as a necessary but not sufficient condition. My body is a condition for me to perform my spirit in morphological, physiological, psychological, mental, sociological way. Oh, is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. So I was not very convinced <laughs> their idea, but that's the problem of science. I mean, you do an experiment. Why do you do an experiment? To prove that the concept you have in your mind is in harmony with the facts. That is science. Science is not like they always want us to believe, you know, that you gather data and that you draw your conclusions out of that data in an objective way. That's not science. I did it myself. I was professor in anatomy. I published all kinds of articles about fascia. I know what science is. Science is having something in your mind, a concept, a theory, a paradigm, um, an hypothesis, and to look for the facts that are in harmony with that. And then you change those facts, and then you see something changing. Okay, that proves that I'm right. Nope. The experiment never proved that you're right. The experiment shows you that the facts are in harmony with your ideas, but they do not prove that your ideas are right. And that's the big mistake we often make nowadays. Wow. You are living a spectacular performance. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But in particular, the brain centrism and, and the gene centrism of nowadays, you know, that you are caused by your genes or that you are caused by your brain. Yeah. The, the, the risk is that we lose the responsibility of our own lives. People now blame their brains for something. They blame their genes for something. They blame their parents for something. No, you're not. Genes and brains are conditions, necessary conditions, but not enough. And so they do not cause you. It's your responsibility. You perform your life, your mind, by means of those genes of this brain. And that's not something else. That also robs us of the wonder of our design as well. Yeah, 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 sure. And I still know that, I, I remember that, so 20 years ago in America, there was a strong, um, uh, strong, uh, it was very popular amongst uh, uh, lawyers to try to prove that their clients made the, were the victim of their brains or their constitution, that they murdered their women because they were not have control on their own emotions or whatever. And that was because they have a very specific genetic or neurological condition. And that helps, you know, that sometimes um, judges said, okay, that are, you know, circumstances that might, you know, explain why your client behaved like that. But then there came a judge that said, okay, if you are convinced that it was his brain or his genes that made him, you know, doing this, well, then I now, now I now condemn, I now for, uh, have a verdict that this brain should go to prison for 30 years. Will you please bring your brain to, this, to, the, to the prison? I mean, it's so stupid. 
to, to consider ourselves as walking brains, that takes away from us all the responsibility for ourselves. Dr. Yacht, this is so fascinating. If somebody wants to learn more about the embryo or embryosophy um, and your teachings, where can they go? Well, already for 40 years, I'm giving courses and lectures, but mainly courses all over the world and uh, also in America. I will give one um, upcoming July, yeah, upcoming July in Maine, together with Tom Myers. He's a very important person, as you know, anatomy trains. But I will soon quit with my courses in America because I think I cannot afford it anymore to make these trips by plane, you know, it's, it's not good for the planet, it's not good. So I, more and more, I'm doing Zooming uh, courses. There's already a course of me completely recorded and you can sell it or you can buy it. But I still do that work, giving my courses. And I'm now writing that book that people always ask me to write, please write down. But you might notice that it's very difficult to write down in words, in academic verb, uh, academic sentences, a reality that you only can talk about when you feel it. It's very difficult to, we call that phenomenology. I'm a phenomenologist. That is not someone who tries to explain the things, but tries to understand the things. And you do that not often with your analytic brain, or you do that more with your emotional brain or with your heart, you know, heart science. And it's very difficult to write down in a book. You know, you can write down the results, but you can, it's very difficult for me to show people how I come to those thoughts and those ideas. And therefore I need the life course, the course in, in life situations. But very soon I have to leave this world. I'm 75 years old. So I really try now to leave behind some recorded courses and maybe a book, but there's still enough activity. Uh, I'm going to Switzerland in November. I will not be in America anymore, but I think that next year that will be organized by Mrs. Kate White from Puri and Prenatal um, Psychology in Virginia. She will organize again a, Zoom, a Zooming course, a webinar, uh, of four days and uh, so and go to my website there's an agenda and you will see where and for which public I am active. I will put your website in the notes of this show uh, and I'm going to try to find that zoom course and yeah. I was wondering when I when I watched your talk and I read your website I was like why do, does this man not have a book <laughs> so, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah thank you yeah yeah Dr. Yap, thank you so, so much for your time. This, is, this has been awesome. Yeah, thank you for your interest. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Now get outside and play.